and we are live. We're live. So, guys, man, welcome to the Talking Sports with Manny YouTube channel. I am your host, Manny, and you're listening to the Back Row Redskins show. Uh, a little late start tonight. Uh, plenty was happening, but uh, coming back to the stage, I got my boy Phil from the Redskins Hub. He just got a big-time promotion, big-time promotion, so the wings are on Phil. <laughs> for tomorrow <laughs> welcome back to the show phil thanks man absolutely well, next next guy i have on the stage is mr kevin hicks from nashville tennessee like myself well we live in nashville tennessee uh big time washington football fan big time Redskins fan kevin how you feeling brother feeling fantastic my good man as always how are you I'm doing good, man. I can't wait for tomorrow. And last but not least, we got Kevin Longley welcoming, coming back to the show. Uh, he was on the show a few weeks ago, and uh, he decided to come back on. We're going to talk some uh, talk some football. We're going to have a good time. Kevin, man, how you doing, brother? Doing great, man. I swear the draft has become my my adult Christmas. I, I even <laughs> thought about this a few months ago. I was like, I, I'm not even as excited for Christmas weekend as I am for, for the draft in a few months. So it's, it's finally here. I'm stoked. I do have a question for you two, though, uh, being okay. in Nashville. Did you guys go to the draft uh, a couple years ago? Oh, absolutely. Uh, so I he went. went. I couldn't go. I got sick, so I had to go home. Um, I took my son, you know. and actually, I have photographic evidence that when we picked Dwayne Haskins, I was like, uh. <laughs> <laughs> But did you so, stay for Montez Sweat, though? I, I, no, actually, I left, and uh, I was driving home. I was in the Uber heading home when I heard that we traded back up and got Sweat, and that's when I got excited. So Did no. I call you when that happened, uh, Kevin? Uh, you texted me. Yep. Oh, okay, I texted you. Okay. You texted All right, me. so. So for the sake of having two Kevins on the show, I'm gonna call you Hicks and I'm gonna call you Longley because I'm not gonna be like Kevin and y'all be like, huh? What? All right. So uh, <laughs> I just want to say you got a great first name. You got a great first name. Yeah, you as well. <laughs> Thank you, sir. All right. So the first topic. Um, so Deron Payne, the fifth year option has been picked up. Uh, I was glad that we picked up the fifth year option. I mean, it was a no brainer. It was gonna happen. And it was only a matter of time. Um, I think that Deron Payne to me is the best defensive tackle that we have at least i think he has the best upside so i'm going to kind of go around the frames and you guys give me your thoughts on uh on ron Payne and the fifth year option and where you think this d-line goes like are we going to lose some people are we going to i mean we, we have to enjoy them now that we have them but phil what's your take on this well like you said ron Payne, fifth year option it was a no-brainer had to do mm -hmm. it um personally i think he is the most athletic defensive lineman we have um, as far as best right now, I still got to give it to the Greek God. Matt Ioannidis is a beast up the middle in the pass yeah. rush. Um, and he, he can stop the run pretty well. Um, I still think we're going to lose John Allen. I don't know why that's my gut. Uh, I think John Allen is the one we won't pay, even though I think Rivera loves him. I just don't think we'll be able to pay him. I know the salary cap's going to go up next year, but, uh, if I'm keeping anybody, it's Deron Payne, Ioannidis, and Settle, because Settle can rotate in and he's cheap. I mean, I'm with it. I, I, Payne is my guy. Payne is younger, and Payne is. I mean, Deron Payne. I mean, uh, Jonathan Allen gets hurt more than Payne does, so Payne is more mm -hmm. durable. Payne is more athletic, but Jonathan Allen is a beast and he is a leader. Kevin. 
Hicks. Yeah, it's kind of funny how we <laughs> it's kind of funny how we came full circle on this because I remember um, you know when we drafted John Allen, uh, mm-hmm. everyone was pretty excited because no one expected him to be there at that time. Uh, and then when we drafted Deron Payne the following year, it was a little confusing because it just felt like that wasn't the biggest positional need at that time. So it was like everyone could acknowledge it's a good player. You know, uh, it's good that you get a top player. Was that really the pick we needed? You know, we, we didn't really know. But as it turns out, uh, he goes on and almost becomes defensive rookie of the year. He's dominant. And um, it's just really uh, interesting how everything's kind of come full circle now to where Payne is the guy that we're like, we really need to keep this guy as opposed to uh, uh, Allen. I mean, it would be great to keep all three to uh, rotate, but, you know, financially speaking, probably uh, isn't very feasible and it's easier to keep Ionitis as your, your second as opposed to two first round picks. So yeah, Absolutely. I'd be very comfortable with that. Absolutely. In the chat, I see DC big also. What up, bro? Yeah. I'm excited for the draft tomorrow. Well. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And then we have Brandon uh, also, uh, he says, uh, I, he says, uh, can Payne have the same effect as Aaron Donald? I, yes. I don't know. I'm going to go ahead. And I'm going to slide that question yeah. over to Longley. I, I can't see him having an Aaron Donald effect. I there's mean, one Aaron Payne, Donald. There, there's one. Aaron Donald has the capability of becoming – he has the capabilities. Not there yet. Let's not forget about all the old timers. But yes, he he does have the ability to go down as the greatest or a top three greatest defensive tackle ever. Deron Payne is a very good player. I wouldn't put him in that category. Um, and to, to kind of piggyback on what you guys had said, I, I do think Ioannidis – probably is the most complete player of the three and I think what kind of helped us because there's a good chance that you can't even keep not just losing one but potentially losing two if you have to save up for for chase and sweat what I think kind of helped our case financially on um and and this is bad news for Matt but um (laughs) the the injuries and the fact that he just missed the season you know that kind of knocks you down a little bit in terms of in terms of what people can expect from a from a contract so perhaps that works in our favor and John Allen he's such he's probably the leader of the group so it's tough to see a guy like that go but Payne fills the biggest um he fills the 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 biggest skill gap that we have that you don't necessarily get as much from the combination of sweat and young and that's the mm-hmm. run stuffing ability that's that's what he needs to do um so i think that plays him into being the most valuable member but i was i was kind of with you all when we drafted him i was pretty disappointed um because i thought derwin james was he was sitting right there and i i thought there was no way derwin james was falling <laughs> to us and all of a sudden he's there and we pass on him and after a year i was pretty upset because derwin james look i mean he, he was all pro after his rookie yeah. year but a couple injury riddled seasons later i'm very happy we have deron Payne, <laughs> and, uh, and payne has been a great pickup for us absolutely i mean i was on the deron i mean uh when James trained and then the draft before that, it was a guy that I wanted. It's like we kept drafting the guys that I didn't want, but Jonathan Allen and Payne has just been tremendous. They've been a steal. And then when you add Sweat and Young to that line, it is like it's all complete. It was like a jigsaw puzzle or somebody creating some kind of masterpiece. And it was kind of ugly at first, you know, had the big eyes and the, you know, looking all crazy. And then once the full masterpiece is created, it's beautiful. And like you yeah. said, I do think we do. We, we're probably going to lose two of the four defensive tackles. 
my prediction is that we're going to keep Matt because we already gave him that extension and he's going to be due to be paid again. So I like Matt. And like you said, with that injury, it only helps us. Right. Then you got to keep paying. So you keep one of the, uh, one of the four first rounders, of course, in paying, you might lose Jonathan Allen and you might lose Tim Settle. Those might be the two guys that we end up uh, missing out on. But I mean, a defensive line with, you know, big Matt, and Payne with the other two guys on the outside is still going to be pretty solid. And we're still going to continue to draft uh, depth pieces and even pieces, you know, to continue this legacy of a very good defensive line. So I think from now for the, for the next 10 years, we're going to have a strong defensive line because people are going to want to come here and, and, and have that same energy that our leader, Chase Young, has. You guys agree? I agree. agree. And I and I also agree that the uh the, the tackles being so good makes the defensive ends better because who are you gonna double team? Like you double team um, you know, one of the tackles, then everyone's one on one on the outside, right? Uh if you you know, double team the interior guys or you double team someone outside, then it makes the possibility for an attacking linebacker to be able to easily, you know, slice and dice into the backfield. So you know, having that that um, versatility on that line where you don't know who you can double team makes the entire team better, not just the individual components, you know. Hey, I agree. I agree. And the next uh, news that we're going to talk about is the Eric Flowers trade. <laughs> I was on my way. I don't know where I was going to. I think I was at the doctor's office with my kid and I was in a parking lot and then the, then the news breaks. And I'm like, wait a minute, Eric Flowers, is this real? I looked at all the sources. It was Ian Rappaport. It was real. And I was like, wow. So essentially, we get Eric Flowers back for a seventh-round swap. And Miami pays $6 million. We pay $3 million. The total contract for Eric Flowers for these two years is $13 million for two years. So Eric Flowers knew his value during free agency. Ron Rivera knew his value <laughs> during free agency. So, you know, I think Ron wanted to pay him around $8 million. Eric wanted around 10 and then you can earn more money because of the taxes in Miami. So he chose Miami and uh, now he's back home. He's back home. We get a starting left guard for a seventh round swap. <laughs> so I want to let Phil talk first and then we'll just swing it around. I mean, moving back 14 pit spots in the seventh round and getting a quality guard play like uh, flowers was just that. I was shocked. I, I I call that a fleece. As you <laughs> hear, that's your word, Manny. That's a fleece. Yes, sir. <laughs> um, we fleeced them. Uh, I guess they wanted a little salary cap space. Uh, they may take Penisul now and move Hunt inside the guard, uh, which is not a bad idea. I mean, exactly. But you bring Flowers and put him under Matsko. I mean, you saw what he did with Callahan. Matsko's probably a better right now a better coach. Uh, the way he took our line. To what it did. I don't think Callahan could have done that with our line. Um, big fan of Matt's go, and I think he's going to have Flowers playing really, really well. Um, I went back and forth on whether I thought this was going to impact Brandon Sheriff, and I have come to the conclusion I think it does. I wouldn't be shocked to see a draft day trade on okay. 
Hold that point. We're going to get to a draft day trade uh, regarding Brandon Sheriff. But remember when Miami was paying everybody? They were paying this guy and that guy and this guy and that guy. And we were like, man, Miami's making moves. A, uh, a whole, was it like, is it like a year later? You know, Van Noy is gone. Mm-hmm. You know, Eric Flowers is gone. Mm-hmm. A lot of these guys that they paid are gone. And I think they're having trouble keeping those two corners. They have two of the highest paid corners in the entire NFL. So don't be surprised if you see another trade, if not this year, maybe next year. So it's funny. People trade. I mean, people, people sign people and people get, you know, people get excited. It's not about signing the most people that you win free agency or that you win, you know, games. So it's an interesting point to Miami getting rid of the guys that they were signing when they had the money. Now they're, they are in competing mode. Kevin, what do you think about this Eric Flowers trade? I know you was pissed off at first. Yeah, I was a little – I wouldn't say pissed off. I was a little confused by it at first because the first day uh, it happened, you texted me. You said Flowers is back. So I looked at it (laughs) and I saw that we traded. And the only thing that I saw was the contract. I knew that he was scheduled for $9 million this year and $10 million next year. And when I texted you at the time, I said, I'm a little conflicted about the Flowers trade because, you know, we already are paying the, the most expensive guard in the NFL. And then we're paying now for a the, the number 10 salary for a guard in the NFL. And so number one and 10 for one of the least valuable positions in the yeah. NFL, we have two of the top 10 salaries. And I was a little concerned about that because uh, I'm saying he's a, a starting quality um, guard, but middle of the road, you know, he's good, right. but not elite. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, so taking on an additional $10 million dollars, uh, for someone who is essentially a starter, but, you know, he didn't even have the um, PFF grade that uh, Wes Schneitzel had last year. So mm-hmm. it was a little concerning to me to take on that much additional salary. But when the news came out today that Miami was paying six of the nine million dollars this year, I texted him and said, now I like the flowers. Now, you're now it makes sense to you're just swapping the the, the, the uh, uh, draft uh, seventh rounders and they're taking two thirds of the contract. That's a beautiful trade. So, yeah, I came around on it when the details of the contract came around, came came along. Yeah. What about you? Leasing comes in, huh, Phil? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> that, that's six million. Um, oh, I, I love it. I love it. And, and you know, well, for one, uh, he there there was some talk that he might have regressed a little bit in Miami, but for one, I think we have a better coaching situation here. I think we have a better um, established talent pool around him here, so I think he he will thrive again. Um, but the the other component is is that while he didn't grade as well as as Schweitzer last year, he graded close to that, and Schweitzer had a very very high uh, grade according to Pro Football Focus and, and did extremely well. So we have two guys that can go in and start, and then there's also the possibility of a Sadiq Charles, and I'm not even counting Brandon Sheriff. So um, as you mentioned, I think, uh, and you know, we won't we won't get any draft talks for for just a, a few minutes but um in terms of uh the idea that you know this impacts sheriff i would like to think when, when i first heard that that thought i immediately thought that you know the bruce allen era would have made this trade and then thought huh I might mm-hmm. be able to do something with Brandon Sheriff now. Whereas right. I feel like this is such a forward thinking group mm-hmm. that they might have thought we want to do something with Brandon Sheriff. What can we do to soften the blow? Oh, let's go get Eric Flowers. And that way we've got our depth 
um, set aside. So so I like that the depth is there. And keep in mind, this guy's 27 years old. It feels like he's been a he's been around forever <laughs> because because exactly. he was just ran over the coals in New York. But um, right. but he's he's only 27, so he can be the the future at the position as well. Absolutely. And, and I love that. Uh, Brandon uh, commented, he said that he chose Miami to fulfill his dreams of playing on all three stages of football in Miami. He said that he's going back to Washington uh, for business, you know, and I like the fact that he was excited to come back mm -hmm. to D.C. I was listening to the interview with Josina Anderson and Eric Flowers mentioned, I'm excited, I'm excited, like at least three or four times during this interview. So, uh, initially, when once the trade you know went down, everybody was saying Brandon Sheriff gets traded. Brandon Sheriff gets traded. Here's my take on Brandon Sheriff, and I want to get you guys' take as well. I think that Brandon Sheriff plays out this season in DC. Okay, um, I think I don't even know what a trade value would be for Brandon Sheriff. Personally, I think it'll be a, a draft pick for next year. <laughs> Washington is not getting a draft pick in this draft. That's my prediction. Uh, Phil, what do you think? Um, I think you could, you could get a second and a fifth for him maybe this year. Yeah, I, I really do. If a trade like that came along, i say move him. I know he's an all-pro. I know he's I know what he's done for this organization. Uh, mm -hmm. He's nasty. Like He is a mean dude on that line. Watching him pull and just maul corners, it's been a great thing. Um, but, you know, we offered to make him the highest paid guard at a long-term deal, and he turned down the money. Um, exactly. That tells me he's not there for the organization. Um, and Rivera's a team guy, and I think Sheriff's a me guy. And yeah. I don't want the me guys. Uh, it's all about the team. Absolutely. And this is giving me vibes of Trent Williams. I mean, look, Brandon Sheriff, thanks for what you've done. But I mean, at this point, it's like deuces, man. I'm not going to miss you when you're gone. And to be honest, if a team offered a fifth round pick in this draft, I'll take it. Like it comes to a point to where you almost got to take what you can. You know, you got to take the best offer available. And if all that comes available is a fifth or sixth round pick for then, then you take it because if he walks, you get nothing. You know, I talked about it. I talked about this in a previous video about the comp plan. You know, with the comp plan, there's a way that it works. I mean, comp picks. If we sign some people, then we, you know, that formula. So it's not guaranteed that we even get something when he walks. Because if he walks and we sign nobody, we get a third. Because we know he's going to get paid. You know what I'm saying? But at the same time, he doesn't want to be here. Deuces. Hicks, what do you think? So I would um... – I wouldn't agree with the take what we can because it's not like he's a locker room cancer that we have to get rid of ASAP, right? So I don't say get rid of him for a fifth or sixth because it's not like we're cap strapped particularly. He can help the team this year, like you said, if he plays out the contract and walks, we get a third as a comp pick. So I think if we don't sign anybody. It's a big if. Right, but it is if. But bottom line, if that's worst case scenario – and best case scenario is you trade him and get a second or first, um, you know, uh, because he's still young. He's still considered the elite player or one of the elite players at his position. Um, you know, I, I think that the better scenario is you uh, bring him back, uh, let him play and either trade him by the deadline uh, because some people are much more 
um, amenable to giving up next year picks as opposed to right now during the draft picks, right? Mm -hmm. Some people are more short-sighted to say, okay, I the picks that are right here in front of me right now, I need to use them. But next year picks, those are fantasy picks up until we get up to the present, right? Um, so people right. are much more amenable to give up higher picks next year um, as opposed to um, the current year, especially if they're already struggling, they're they're struggling with injuries, uh, the line is being ravaged in, in, in one way or another. So I say when you have someone valuable, you hold on to them. You don't just toss them out like he's nothing. Um, right. I wouldn't trade him for anything less than a second personally, even if I have to wait a while to do that. But I do think that the trade gives flexibility to where you don't have to get anyone in the draft and you don't have to trade him immediately. It does give you that flexibility. So right. in that regard, I think it was very, very wise. What if he gets hurt again? Hmm. I mean, that, that could apply to anybody, right? I mean, uh, you he's, know. Had, he's got a pretty extensive in, injury history. Yep. I mean, well, he doesn't want to be I mean, here. So, I, me personally, I'm not forcing the issue. If he wants to play out the contract, great. I mean, he is going to help a guy that I'm going to get to after Longley talks. I'm going to give you the biggest winner with Eric Flowers and Brandon Sheriff being here. Longley, let me hear from you. All right. So, first up, for one, I, I agree uh, with Hicks on this one. I, I would try to trade for something in the future that can that can bring some value. I also think that he can be part of the a package that maybe beats out the other packages if we do look to trade up this year because we're going to be in competition with potentially. Um, I mean, you know, we, we don't know anything about what Washington right. is thinking right now, but um, if you're trying to separate yourself from the pack, from New England, from from Chicago, from from all these teams that might want to move up, adding in, a, oh, here, take an all pro guard who, uh, who hasn't quite turned 30 or he might have turned 30, um, but who's, who's nearing 30. <laughs> he's got a, he's got a few good years left. Let's sprinkle that in there. So I think you can get value for him. I also I will point out not to be a total apologist for for players that we've departed with. Um, I really don't have any ill ill will towards the towards the Trents or the Sheriffs um, mm -hmm. because for one thing I've I've seen you know it's you know the the Sheriff is about me thing. You know I've had friends tell me you know why would he want to leave? We've turned it around and I got to remember look I loved last year as much as anybody but he spent his entire career on a crap team. And he is he supposed to sign off the rest of his future because the team went seven and nine one year. And with Trent Williams, he he got for one, his departure was the greatest contribution a Redskins player has given us for the past 20 decades or past two decades. in the fact that he got Bruce Allen out of town, that was that's worth three straight <laughs> playoff runs. I mean, he. We should be building Trent Williams a statue for that one. So I'm, I, I got no ill will towards Trent. Um, That's great. But, uh, That's but great. yeah. So I, I don't necessarily blame him because this is, this is going to be his final big contract, right? So like, you right. want to make sure you're at a place that is, that has a history of being stable, and we're one Danny Boy decision away from not being stable again. And so, uh, I don't really blame him. But yeah, I would I would like to see what we could package him for. And as you said, um, in terms of hitting on these these short sighted individuals mm -hmm. and getting maybe a second rounder in the future, um, could bring some value there. Awesome. So we've had our appetizer. Let's go ahead and get to the main course. Let's go ahead and get to the reason why we are all here. Like Marshawn Lynch always says, you know why I'm here. You know why I'm here. Uh, but uh, <laughs> let's go ahead and dive into the draft. Who I'm do you guys like? Get 
<laughs> Who do you guys like at pick 19? That's one question. Do you trade up? Do you trade down? Do you stay put? I'm going to start with Longley on this one. So I would I would definitely like to move up. Um, I'm not a quarterback or bust person, but I just feel like the the – Things are just falling in place right now with whatever San Francisco is thinking. I don't, I don't know, I don't know what's going on in the Bay Area. I don't know why they're they're going down this path, but it looks like they're going down the Mac Jones route. <laughs> and Carolina didn't trust the process, and they they went after Darnold, and now we're seeing Jimmy G might be going to New England. It's like it's all just kind of falling into place, man. It's just like <laughs> we got an extra third. Like let's let's try and get in there, maybe at seven or eight, and and maybe get a Lance, maybe get a, a a Fields. That's what I'd love to see. But if we stay at nineteen, I think it overwhelmingly leans linebacker or. My what has become my kind of personal favorite pick, um, and just kind of came out of the blue in the last couple of days was mm-hmm. the idea of Trevor Morgue, um, at uh, <laughs> at safety at 19. That's that's that one's really interesting me, man, because you can have Curl in the box and Morgue back playing deep, and that is a complete unit right there. And I know me and Kevin talked about it a little bit today because you can even trade back a couple times in the first and still get Morig. So mm-hmm. I think Morig is the best safety in the draft. I will not be mad even if we took him in 19. I know, oh, a safety in 19. But, look, we're not the only team that needs a safety, okay? I remember the uh, the year when Savage from Maryland came out, and I wanted that guy. And, uh, you know, Green Bay, I mean, Green Bay took him, I think, at the end of the first he didn't yeah, even make it to the second. So, so yeah. if, if 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 we want a Morig or a Richie Grant, look, it's either we take them in the first, trade back and take them in the first, or we trade up in the second. I'm telling you, both of those guys might not make it to pick 51. So, to me, those are the two best safeties in the draft that I want. I do like uh, Cisco. I do like Cisco. I like what I see uh, when he's healthy. When he's healthy. He he gets takeaways. So Kevin uh, Hicks, talk to me about uh, what what do you think we do at nineteen? What what would you want? Up down? Stay put. What's really fascinating is that we're in a position where all of the scenarios kind of make sense. Um, all three trading up mm-hmm. would make sense. Staying put would make sense. And uh, many many you know you and I we've done a bunch of these uh, mock drafts on the simulators and what <laughs> we've gotten really good at doing was trading back multiple times, picking up extra picks, and then mm-hmm. just coming out with this all star draft team that we just absolutely love. Um, I don't know that they'll do that, but the idea of picking up an extra second and third. Um, is kind of fascinating because it makes it so that you can get those guys that are kind of luxury picks, like some of these tight ends that are going Mm -hmm. in the the second and third round or some of these, um, you know, you can get decent linebackers in the second, like uh, Cox and, and um, you see Jameen Davis going anywhere from first round to mid second. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, we like later uh, linebackers like Chaz Surratt, you know, where you can get him in, in maybe the third, right? So um, mm-hmm. I think that although linebacker is very sexy and I have been on the, the JOK train, <laughs> I, um, now that we see that everyone kind of has warts and, you know, pluses and minuses, 
you know, I have started to become more partial to the, hey, why not trade back and get more bites at the apple? Um, but I love the idea of trading up and getting a quarterback because hopefully we're even better this year than we were last year. And so we won't be in a position to draft a really good quarterback again next year. So Absolutely. I can understand Longley's um, idea about moving up because if you get a quarterback this year, if it's someone like Lance, who I love, by the way, um, mm-hmm. who needs some time to develop, well, you've got a, a very smart, capable quarterback this year that can get us through, uh, let Lance develop for a year, and we're in business next year. I if all goes according to plan, we'll be picking later than 19 this, uh, this time next year. So um, I, I like that idea as well. So um, if, if I'm running the organization and I see some of these guys start to slide, it's pretty tempting to trade up. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, if, and for me, if those guys don't slide, then I mm-hmm. actually entertain trading down. So that's, it's, yeah, for me, it's only two guys that I, I'm willing to trade up for that are non-quarterbacks. And number one is uh, Pitts. Number two is Micah Parsons. But that does not mean trading a first round. That means moving up and trading like a second or a third to get one of those guys. If you put a Micah Parsons with this defense, it's lights out. It's, it's one of those out. things. I don't know why everyone's knocking Parsons. I mean, you know, he was so high, ran a great 40. I mean, his, 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 he popped on tape and everything. And then lately everyone's been saying, you know, he's got these issues that, that uh, need to be addressed and so forth. You put Micah Parsons with this defensive front that we have, it is downright scary. Ridiculous. He's the only the only linebacker, you know, forget the Davis and, and – uh, Jay, okay, he's the only person that if we have a few picks, you know, if you, if it gets to 15 and he's still on the board, I would even be willing to trade up a little bit just to make sure we get him at that point. Exactly. And that's what I mean by trading up. I don't mean like going from 19 to like seven or eight, you know, mm-hmm. for Parsons. I'm talking about if he slips outside of the top 10, it's game on, baby. It's game on because he's a game changer. He's a game changer. There's some he's guys a monster. In There's some guys in this draft that are generational talents, and I think that he's one of them. That's just my opinion. I think that if you add him to this defense, it's like, what weaknesses do we have? You know what I'm saying? So it's like, I understand we have some issues on the offensive end, but I'm going to go ahead and kick it over to Phil and then talk more about the uh, draft. But, yeah, Phil, talk to me about what do you think – what do you want to for us to do at 19? I mean, it's so many scenarios. Yeah, there's there's a ton of scenarios. I mean, you could see five quarterbacks go within the top seven picks. Um, you could see two linemen go. You could see a couple of pass catchers go. Um, I'm hearing Miami loves Waddle. So mm-hmm. the Slim Reaper could fall to us at 19, and you're not telling me somebody's going to trade up for Devontae Smith? Exactly. Okay, come get our pick. I'll trade back. Exactly. And I'm going to take the do-it-all safety in the back end of the round, and I'm taking Trevon Morick. For to and that's what I did in my mock today, right before mm-hmm. I finished this, before I did this pod. Um, I traded back, picked up an extra third and an extra like sixth, mm-hmm. uh, or a sixth because we don't have yeah. one. And I took Trayvon Morig, um, because I like I, you know, I love you know, I love Richie Grant, uh, yep. I think he's a ball yep. hawk back there, but Morig is the different level, <laughs> safety in the class. he is he, he does it all. 
He can yes, sir. He, he tackles. He, he doesn't take bad angles. And you know how mm-hmm. we our free safeties take bad angles. Troy, Troy Abbey, Mr. <laughs> Mr. <laughs> I can't stand. Isn't that, that your guy. cousin? We're talking oh, about your cousin like that, man. <laughs> come on, man. Come on, I'm man. A better, I'm a better tackler than Troy Atkins. <laughs> I think we you all know, are. I think, I think my four-year-old you know, is. But Trayvon Morig, like, I, I just – I've watched more and more on him. I, I'm mm-hmm. a big fan of Morig. Unless Smith falls to us and we don't trade and we don't trade back, I could, I could see Devontae Smith fitting in our system as well. Oh, absolutely. Look, I'm okay with Devontae Smith. I'm okay with Morick. I'm okay with uh, – in terms of linebacker, we all wanted Sabian Collins. Now he's more of a defensive oh, line now, being too sad. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So at this point, it's like that Xavier Collins at 19, look, I'm like, nah, I'm good. And I'm mm-hmm. not being in on JOK, but now I'm like, look, hey, JOK, if you can eat a few more Twinkies – Get a little bit bigger, you know what I'm saying? So that way you don't get run over. But JOK, when you watch his film, he's explosive. He makes plays, but it's just the size that worries me. You know, he has the instincts. And when I look at JOK, correct me if I'm wrong, I see like Cam Carl, but better, like in terms of tackling, because Cam Carl is a smaller, he's a smaller guy. He's a smaller guy. And when you when you watch Cam Carl tackle, he gets it done. But he's little, but he he wraps up. So when I look at JOK, he makes tackles, but I don't see him like knocking folks out, at least the videos that I've seen. So uh Phil, talk to me about JOK. But I, mean, I mean, he's he's the best, I think he's the best defensive player in the draft. I, mm-hmm. I just I think he's phenomenal. Um, I like him over Parsons. I'm not okay. a Parsons guy. I just something about him, it's not his character. I don't think he's good in coverage. Uh, yes, he can run. Yes, he can blitz. I just don't think he fits our versatile uh, scheme. Like, you know, he Rivera wants versatility, and I don't think he fits that mold. Now, you put Jock, Cam Curl, and Landon Collins on the field at the same time because Jock is will play uh, – he'll be our starting will. He will definitely start at the will backer. Uh, yeah, he's 215, 220. How many running backs are going to run over a 220, 220-pound guy? Not many. Right. Derrick Henry, maybe. Derrick Henry, maybe Najee Harris when he gets into the league. But there's not many running backs that are going to run him over and not many quarterbacks. I mean, I don't ha- I don't worry about him getting run over too much because uh, right. he can cover your tight end. He can stay with your running backs in the flat. Uh, like I said, Jock is my number one defensive guy in the, in the draft, and I think he goes before 19. I mean, that's very, very uh, possible. It's very possible. I think that Jock has been rising. JOK, everybody is on the JOK train now. Everybody knows what he can do. And to, like right now, right after Michael Parsons, who's still my number one, I think he's right there at number two. Um, you have guys like Jamin Davis who's rising. Uh, you know, you got guys like Nick Bolton you can get in the second, maybe third round, Sage Surratt's of the world, and some other linebackers out there. Right. But, uh, even even uh, Cox, Jabril Cox, I, I like him too. So, but with signing, with uh, trading for Eric Flowers, it changes everything because you don't have to go, you know, versatility guard because we were looking at uh, Tucker 
Elijah yeah. Vera Tucker, now, you know, you don't have to go that route. And like you say, Phil, Ron Rivera loves players that can play multiple positions. So I kind of okay. feel you on that. I kind of feel you on that. But the reason why I'll take uh, Parsons over a JOK is because Parsons will be that leader. He'll be that quarterback of that defense. He'll be that pure middle linebacker. Yes, he's going to probably be only in that spot. But uh, like you said, JOK can play all over the place and having – you know, Landon Collins and uh, uh, Curl and JOK, those are some pretty good tacklers. I know everybody's knocking Landon Collins right now, which is the next topic we're going to talk about. What do we do with Landon Collins this year? I'm going to start with Hicks on this one. So that one is is, um, interesting because – we can say whatever we want. It's going to depend on whether or not he's willing to do what the coaches want him to do. And usually from what I've seen from Rivera uh, historically, if the player doesn't want to do what the coaches think is best for the team, he's not going to be there very long. So, um, you know, we can fantasy book what to do with Landon Collins all day long. If uh, coach tells him, I want you to play linebacker, he says, I'm not playing linebacker, he's not going to be on the team. So, uh, you know, I, I think that makes it really, I, for me, I think that the the whole thing about uh, whether or not he was going to play linebacker and him resisting that, I think that coming out before the draft was very significant because I think that influences whether or not they're comfortable picking someone like JOK who can do that thing that they're asking him to do. If he was willing to do that, I think that they'd say, okay, we may not need this particular guy because we have someone who can do that. And then that would open the door to get someone like Trevor Morick. But knowing what's going to happen with Landon Collins is, I think, in my opinion, probably a big key to understanding what we're going to do with that first pick. You know, either getting someone like a JOK who can be that chess piece that they're asking Landon Collins to be, or if we need to say, okay, you're not going to be with us on the team anymore, let's go ahead and look at your replacement. So I have a great point right here. Brandon said that Parsons was hardly used in coverage his first two seasons in college. Now, I'm not the biggest college guy, okay? I get into draft mode and I do my homework, but uh, Longley, what do you think about this statement right here? I think it's kind of true. The, the The knock on Parsons is not so much his his ability or whether he's good. I mean, th- there are some people who brought up the attitude and everything, and you know that, that's that's whatever. I'm not worried about that. Um, the, the issue is the positional value that he would bring and that what, what people discuss when it comes to Parsons is that, I mean, you could be, you could potentially be looking at a pro bowl, um, will linebacker, a pro bowl outside linebacker in, in his abilities. The difference is, is that people that want to pick a linebacker in the top 10 or potentially top 15, they want a Mike. They want a guy who's going to be the anchor of the defense. They want London Fletcher. They want the quarterback of the defense. And what the the all 22 tape and all that shows of, of Micah Parsons is that while he is explosive as all hell, getting people down and breaking through blocks, he he's a little slow to recognize coverages and, and uh, a little slow to recognize routes and then some schemes, which is, is okay if you're an outside linebacker. I mean, it's not ideal, but like, you're kind of in pursuit mode as an outside linebacker. Whereas if you're in the middle, which is where most of that value is, which is where Ron Rivera's Luke Keekley is and, and that Ray Lewis is, is you're, you're able to dissect what the offense is going to do um, by, the, by the time 
quarterbacks dropping back. Um, so so I think that's where he's he's been knocked down a little bit in, in regards to his value. Um, but I mean, he'd still be a phenomenal player. I just think and I think our coaching staff is savvy enough to recognize what his skill sets are and to put him in the right places. But, you know, our you know, our past defensive coordinators, they would be the type to say, well, we drafted you here. You're going to be a middle linebacker. And then all of a sudden people would be wondering, like, why? Why is he getting beaten coverage? Why is he like hitting the wrong gaps? Like and and so that's where I think uh, the critique would be. I think it, it takes a, a more knowledgeable and honest defensive coordinator to to really show how great Micah Parsons can be. Absolutely. And somebody mentioned, I think also mentioned, we need a Ray Lewis type uh, MLB. And I don't know if there's any Ray Lewis types in this draft. I mean, it's still early. It's still early. Uh, Peter says, man, you the number one overall pick. (laughs) Yes, sir. Hey, shout out to Peter, man. You guys go out and check out his show, man. Hey, sub to his uh, YouTube channel. Uh, He's off the chain. One of my very good friends. I can't wait for the draft. Hey, Peter, I'm having a... uh, a stream tomorrow so pull up bro pull up hop on the mics man um so uh we need a linebacker that's you know. <laughs> so, yeah go ahead uh, uh hicks yeah it's interesting that you mentioned that about parsons because to phil's point it kind of highlights what is kind of special about jok i don't know if you guys uh have had an opportunity to to, to look at jok's breakdown not just his highlights but uh, there's a video somewhere on YouTube that's saying why uh, JOK is the best linebacker in this draft. And it's a really interesting watch. And they break down how Notre Dame played last year. Uh, they played a very base defense where he stayed on a particular side. He didn't shadow the receiver or anything like that. If there was a slot receiver on his side of the field, he covered him. And if there was no receiver there, he attacked, right? But he was left with the responsibility of diagnosing um, and he was flexible. He would cover just like a corner or he would attack. He would shoot the gaps and his uh, ability to assess what was happening on the defense led it to where they didn't even need a nickel uh, on his side of the field mm-hmm. because he functioned as that nickel. And if there was no need for a nickel, he functioned as that linebacker. And that's such a valuable piece to have on your defense. Um, and when you're out in the open like that, you know, you don't really have to worry about getting banged on by the 300 pounders, um, you know. So honestly, I think with the way that our team is set up, considering that the tight ends are going to have to help chip these elite defensive ends that we have. And, um, you know, they may have to double team people on the inside. I mean, it just feels to me like a situation in which, our defensive line opens up huge gaps for slashing linebackers. I just see a lot of opportunity there if we went that direction. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so let's look at the second round. We are at pick 51. Is there a scenario we trade up, trade down, stay put? I mean, it's kind of like the same question in every single round because you know there's some wide receivers that I want. I know that wide receiver is not the biggest need for the team. Uh, of course, you have linebacker, you have safety, you have left tackle. I mean, we need everything. Tight end. Tight end is important, okay? But let's talk about the second round. What would you guys like to be done in the second round? Who do you want to go? <laughs> uh, let's go Hicks. 
I think it depends on what we do in the first round. Um, I think we can go any different direction. If we go linebacker in the first, then, you know, uh, I think there's still some really good um, safeties on the board in second or receivers. You know, Um, I've been a a big Elijah uh, Moore guy. um, And I think that you could easily get him in the second. What's that? I think he's going to first in Green Bay. You think so? He's been. Um, yeah, well, I've been seeing uh, Green Bay looking at um, oh someone else. But yeah, I mean, some people like Elijah Moore, Rondell Moore have been rising or whatever. But um, you know, if we could get someone like that in the second, if we go defense in the first, I like the idea of going offense in the second. If we end up, you know, with uh, Darisaw somehow in the first, like we go offense then I like going linebacker in the second. Uh, there's also a few safeties that are going to be on the board that are, are pretty talented, assuming that we don't get Morgan in the first. There's a couple safeties that I feel really comfortable with in, in the second. Um, you know, and then, you know, I, I, I just am kind of a fan of going whatever the opposite of what we did in the first round. So if we went linebacker in the first, I like going – offense in some capacity in the second if we went defense you know and vice versa so maybe linebacker in the first maybe wide receiver in the second yeah. uh yeah. dc big also said that jok reminds him of the linebacker that ron rivera had so do you guys think that jok uh, uh, is it keekley or davis probably davis, about davis. i think yeah, he's he probably talking about Shaq thompson hmm Okay. I think he's talking about Jack Thompson. Jack Thompson had a lot of versatility. Um, okay. Yeah, guy that's who, could, who I would be talking uh, about if I was if I'm big Ozo. That's who. I mean, that's where I would use Jock as the way he used Jack Thompson. But yeah, Jock is an even more special athlete. Jack Thompson's a really oh, good athlete, yeah. and Jock is, you know, he just pops. You just see him. He really, really pops on screen. So. Yeah. Absolutely. So Phil. Talk to me about second round. Somebody just uh, William Rogers, William Rogers Jr., the junior. Hey, welcome to the show, brother. He said Tommy Tremble. Talk to too me early. about yeah, too early, right? Talk too to me. What do we time. do? What do we do at in the second round? All right. So if you go say Jock or say I like in my draft, I went Morig. Mm-hmm. I actually went linebacker in the second round. Okay. Uh, I took Nick Bolton. I took the quarterback of our defense, uh, right in the middle of the field. Right in the middle of the field, I think the middle of the field. You fix free safety and you fix middle linebacker. We're set. Um, and I got a later linebacker that you can put outside as well in the draft as well. Um, but that's where I went. I, I'm not. I'm. I'm best player available. It doesn't matter offense defense to me. I'm best player available, but wide receiver is so deep in this draft. You're going to get impact wide receivers with our third round pick or with our fourth round pick, or there's guys that are going to be really, really talented. I'm going to drop a name in the seventh round. That is just like, he is a freak of nature. So um, I think I might know that name, but hold on to that. I think I I might know that name. Uh, Let me get to, huh? My wild, I've got a wild card for the second round. Okay, talk to okay. me. What if Javante Williams is at fifty-one? Too you know, early. I ran that ball. Too early, and this is why. Oh. I, I rather go running back in the third. 
That's a sweet spot. I rather the tight end from Penn State in the second round. That's just me. I think that after Kyle Pitts, he's the best all around tight end. In yeah, the he goes early. Every every mock I've done, he's gone early. Early yeah. in the second. Yeah, early second. Early yeah. second. Yeah. So prior moves you're not getting. That's why yeah. I would target like Brevin Jordan, Tommy Tremble in the Exactly. Hey, don't yeah. get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. Javante Williams is a dog. Oh, yeah. Javante Williams is a Dog, man, I think he's you know, the third best you know, running back. You know my love for Javante. Yeah, he's a yeah, monster. He's, he's the third best running back in the – and look, we're coming out with a running back in this draft. There's sure. no if, ands, oh, or yeah. buts about it. Like, a running back will happen. It's just all about value. It's all about value. You want me to tell you the one that I think that we should get? Talk to me. I like Kenneth Gainwell. From Oklahoma. Reunite mm-hmm. him with Antonio Gibson. Mm-hmm. That's my guy. That's you my know, guy. so Kenneth Gainwell, he can catch the ball out the backfield. He can Girl. run it. I, I like that in the third round. He'll be there in the third, and that's the guy. I like him, and I like uh, Ramondre Stevenson. Stevenson. He's probably going to be there maybe in the fifth, maybe fourth, fourth, fifth. Yeah, uh, yeah fourth, fourth. <laughs> I'm fourth. saying fifth. He's going to be there in the fourth. So yeah, I don't uh, think that's falls with Yeah, sweet spot for running backs for me is third, fourth. And um, if, we can, if we can get a gain well, that would be awesome. Sorry about that. <laughs> uh, talk to me, uh, Longley. Man, you guys are speaking my language of Phil. Um, Phil, you just rattled off all my my dreams for for the second <laughs> round. That's exactly what I would this want. This is my thing, um, dude. This is me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But that Nick Bolton, you know, when I when I think about Nick Bolton, that's a, that's such a great pick in the second round because when I see hammer, him, I, he is a hammer. You know who he reminds me of is he would be our London Fletcher, our our twenty twenty one London Fletcher brought back because he's so instinctual and he's a smaller guy, but he's stocky and he he delivers a blow. Um, okay. so so I really like Nick Bolton. I think that would be a great pick. Um, but as you said, it it depends on. Um, what happens in the first as well as what's available because you don't want to go total best player available and and draft something that's not a need at all but at the same time if you get if you get great value in the second I just have a feeling because this happens every year there's going to be some guy we were certain was going to go in the 20s who all of a sudden's midway through the second round and we're like how did he get here um, it could be like DK Metcalf how, how that happened a couple of years ago and all of a sudden, he's in the third round. So I think there is going to be some sort of value like that. Um, maybe a Jabril Cox starts to fall. Maybe a Jamin Davis, who I, I personally love Jamin Davis. I don't know if I'm pronouncing his name correctly. Um, I but Jamin, I'll be shocked. Jamin, Jamin, cool. Jamin yeah. Jameen, whatever. I'll be um, if he's there at 51. Uh, Absolutely. Dave, Davis is an absolute – I mean – Look, we, I've seen Davis in mocks go in the the teens, but mm-hmm. but I've also seen Davis in the third in round. Third. So he's yeah. yeah, he's all over the place, and that's a guy. I mean, he he was guarding Kadarius Tony and Kyle Pitts, mm-hmm. um, and and going toe to toe with them. Um, if you watch the it. tape between them against Florida, I mean, he can really cover. And the difference is, while he's not quite as athletic as Jock, he's six mm-hmm. four. So that that whole component of all right, well, what about exactly. the size thing? He, he almost is jock with the size, but not not quite as athletic. So, uh, so those I would look at, and uh, Javante Williams would would be a monster. Um, I think that's the right value for him, but not the right value for us. Um, so, so we don't want to jump quite that high. But, but yeah, I, I really have been looking mainly at linebackers in the second round. Uh, but obviously, all that changes, and I think you can go that wide receiver route. You can even go. And I'll just throw this out. I know, I know a lot of people disagree because we're we got a good start in two, 
But this is a great cornerback class. And if one of these good corners drops, keep in mind, Kendall Fuller is good, but he's not a pro bowler. And we've yep. got these guys in, in two years, it's a need again. Or one injury, it's a need again. And there's been rumors of Farley falling. There's been, you know, Asante Samuel Jr. is a ball hawk, and, mm-hmm. and he could fall. Like, those are guys that could add not only immediate depth, but could create a long-term solution so that corner never comes back as a need for us. So Absolutely. all options on the table. Farley's right, off so, my board. His so because we got some pretty good comments in the comment section. And this question goes to Phil. Big also says, do you think it makes sense to draft a quarterback later in a draft as a project? I'll throw that to you, Phil, because I've seen you do some mocks and I've seen you take a guy like Shane Bouchelle, who we both like. But for me, I personally don't even think we need a project quarterback. We have two already on the roster. Uh, but yeah, I'll let you speak on that. Um, it, it once again depends on how the board falls. Um, if, if, Kellen Mond is there in the fourth. You got to start thinking about that because Kellen Mond is really talented. He can run. He's got a cannon for an arm. Um, Doesn't have it all like his footwork and stuff like that. But, you know, he worked on his mechanics sitting a whole year behind Fitzpatrick um, or even Heineke. I mean, you got, we forget about Taylor Heineke, but I mean, he's, he's a good backup. He he's going to be right behind Fitzpatrick. So if we did take a later round quarterback, um, barring those unforeseen injuries, mm-hmm. you don't even have to play them this year. And that's like you said, even with moving up for Trey Lance, right. Trey Lance needs to sit. Trey Lance needs to sit for a year. Mm-hmm. He needs to sit for a year and work on some things. Um, he uh, short arms some balls. I, I like that he doesn't miss high. Scam, uh, Cam Newton, I almost said scam like I usually do. Um, <laughs> Cam Newton he misses a little hot. You know, Cam Newton misses high. Dwayne Haskins misses high. That That's interceptions, 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 interceptions. Trey right. Lance drives the ball low. So if you want a guy to miss, you want him to miss low so it's not picked off. But he's not, he's not the most accurate guy, and his mechanics are a little rough. But his ceiling, I think Trey Lance's ceiling is just insane, insanely high. I hate to say it. He looks like he kind of looks like him, but he I think he's Mahomes type. Mahomes like to me. Okay. Um, can run. But uh Kellen Mond, if he fell to the fourth round, would be someone I t- I would take. Like somebody I think's commented, like I think Brandon put Mills in the second. No. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I just saw that and that was my that was the next yeah. comment that I was gonna put no. up. Uh, uh, Hicks, talk to me about Mills. <laughs> Everybody is on this Mills no, train. I don't have anything to say about him. I'm yeah, good. I'm not saying for us, but I don't even understand why he's jumping up, why he's climbing. I don't either. He's, he's your big, I, I, prototypical NFL quarterback. And how did that work out for uh, old boy in Denver? You know, yeah. whether we're talking about Osweiler or what's the uh, the other guy that didn't work out. Like, I don't care about big prototypical size. I don't care about that. I want to see, can you consistently play? Can you throw a team on your back and win the game by yourself? If you don't do that, then I don't want you as an NFL quarterback. That's just, you know, because as an NFL quarterback, we've had game managers, you know, for years. 
How? When was the last guy that we had outside of RG3's rookie year that literally throws the team on their back and will win the game? You know, uh, Cousins did it a couple times, but could we count on him to do that consistently? No. The elite teams have your Brady's, your Mahomes, your, you know, whatever, who win the game for you. Um, the only quarterback outside of the top five that I would even waste a roster spot on, to be honest, is Trask, maybe in the fourth. Um, but I don't like the idea of taking the late developmental quarterbacks because then it almost puts pressure on you to make them your starter the following year. And I believe that a starting quarterback should probably be one of, at the very least, the, the best five in their particular draft class, as opposed to saying, okay, next year we're going to play the seventh best quarterback from last year as our starter. Uh, New England tried to do that and – you know, what did they get last year? And yeah. they had to sign Cam Newton because yeah. uh, what's the guy's name out in New England? Stidham. Just What's uh, that? Jared Stidham. Stidham. Yeah, exactly. Stidham. They tried to do that with Stidham. And Trash. What did you get from him? You know, I think that if you're not one of, at the very minimum, the five best quarterbacks in your draft class, you're probably not going to have a – a very prestigious NFL career. There are some exceptions, obviously, but I don't like the false sense of satisfaction that having a developmental fourth to seventh round quarterback right. is. Right. Yeah, I don't think you get much out of that. I will say that I think Kyle Trask is is, is a horrendous option for us. My brother was a uh, – he's a huge trash guy, and I watched the tape, and I was just like, to me, he looks like uh, he looks like Daniel <laughs> Daniel Jones to me. Oh, oh yeah. Just, and that's, the, I don't mean that wheels. as a compliment. Yeah. Without the wheels. That, yeah. yeah, without the wheels, right, yeah. So, Longley, I have a question for you. This one's for you right here. Uh, Brandon says – why do we take a receiver in the second after signing Samuel and Humphreys? Talk to uh, me because I feel like for me, I feel like wide receiver is, in a, is a very important position. We have a whole bunch of Jags on the team. We have a whole bunch of depth guys on the team. We need the real deal guys. Talk to me about wide receiver. Absolutely. Well, well, beyond just wide receiver, there's a whole there's a whole philosophy about this that that I pertain to when it comes to how you build an NFL roster, and that's you're you're always taking the best available talents. Um, not not you know we, we mentioned this just a few minutes ago. You don't want to completely blow off blow off a need and and you know do so ignorantly. But if you have the 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 ability to get a star, your your needs change by the week. A year ago. Through week eight, we thought free safety. We were going to spend our first five picks trying to find a free safety. <laughs> like, like it was the only need that we that we cared about. Like, mm-hmm. we we only were focused on Troy Apke. And then Cameron Curl plays pretty well, and we're like, okay, well, um, I guess safety is a need. Maybe like your needs change constantly. For all we know, we're the 49ers saw it last year. We're we're one bad turn away from from edge rusher being being a need. You you never know when when your need is up. Uh, you know we we all have our thoughts on the Dallas Cowboys, but one thing I I do like about them is that for for offensive line, 
I remember when they had solidified that line to the point it was the best I could remember in recent memory. And it's just like, oh, well, they're done. They're done. And then what they do, they add Lyle Collins. And then they keep adding to that group. They spent a second round pick on um, the guy Connors, I believe, who, who can really play. And they just they keep loading up. And then look what happens. You have Tyron Smith next starts giving out. And Travis Frederick gets this disease. And he has to, he has to quit. And, and, and so... But they're still in a good position because they never let their foot off the gas. And so if we say, okay, well, we've got McLaurin and Samuel. Okay, well, you're one injury away from them not being from them not being there. You're two years away from McLaurin getting offered ridiculous money somewhere else. Or um, and you know Humphreys, Humphreys is like you know he's a nice addition, but he's he's a guy. You know he's he, he fill he'll fill a role and, and that he'll be in and out. So if you have the opportunity to get a guy who's of a McLaurin level or, and, and you could have, you know, a three headed monster. Look, the bucks just re-signed Antonio Brown, despite having what they already have. They, they know what it's like to have mm-hmm. depth. They know, they know you want to have the most talent possible. And if the mm-hmm. best player in the second round is a wide receiver, just take it, just take right. it. And in the long run, you're going to be happy that you did. I've got an analogy for you. On that real quick. So would you rather have, Six bullets in a gun or two bullets in a gun? <laughs> I mean, that's real. I mean, that's real. I think it's absolutely right. And and to even further that point, specific to our wide receivers, you know, Samuel, uh, he can work on the outside. He can also work on the inside. And, you know, like to your point, Humphreys has had some flashes. He's had some really good moments. He worked well with Fitz a couple years ago and he did okay in spurts with Tennessee. But, um, no one says, oh, we got Adam Humphreys, like we're set for the next (laughs) four years. Like no one says that, right? You know, so um, at the end of the day, if you get a guy that uh, can play outside that lets you be more creative with Samuel, run him to run him in the slot and do all that kind of stuff, then you do that. It's the same reason why, uh, say, for instance, for whatever reason, say uh, J.C. Horn were to fall to 19, you oh, yeah. take him in a heartbeat, right? Oh, yeah. Because yeah. even though move to the fuller to safety. Exa- no, Will Fuller operates really well out of the slot. You know, mm-hmm. I think that's a well, really that's good true. analogy yeah. for what we're doing here because, yeah. you know, if you give that flexibility, you have a guy who's a dog on the outside mm-hmm. now and you can let Fuller operate out of the slot, it makes your whole defense better. I think that you can do that same thing on the offensive side of the ball. If you get another threat on the outside and it gives you some uh, versatility and flexibility with what you can do in the slot, it just makes the whole team better overall, in addition to the the very, very good depth arguments that you guys already made. If JC holds there at 19, we should sprint that card to the front. Yeah, right. absolutely. Because, absolutely. Because then you have two you have two press corners with our oh, pass rush, William Jackson nasty. and JC Horn pressing the I mean, not I mean, we don't run much we didn't run much press last year, but right. I guarantee right. you, you get JC Horn and William Jackson, they'll change our defense to a press man. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Hey, Phil, I'll tell you this. Somebody's falling to 19. If we stay put, yeah. I know we're talking oh, about sure. this guy yeah. and this yeah. guy and that guy. It's so much talent in the top 20 that I'm okay with any talent that drops to us at 19. I'm telling you right sure. now, somebody's going to fall, and we're going to be like, Falling down the steps like uh, the president, you know, as he was going up the plane, uh, <laughs> <laughs> trying to get that pick in. So most definitely, I'm excited. 
Yeah, he, yeah, he, <laughs> he did fall out. He was so excited. Yeah, he was yeah. so excited. No, but but seriously though, you, you you have to take advantage of that because if you can get a superstar, that's so much better than a guy who's just pretty good, but he fills a need. I remember. Um, once again, bringing up the Cowboys. I don't know why I keep bringing them up because they, they suck and they're the, the, the ultimate 8-8 eight eight franchise. But at the same time, I remember last year, I, I want any excuse to rag on my Cowboy fan friends. And so when they uh, when they picked C.D. Lamb, I was like, on that on the surface, I was just like, your defense is going to be trash. You, you, you still passed on defense. And a year later, they're just like, which defender – do, do you wish that we had taken right that because um, you have no answer for CD Lamb, Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup. So yeah, when you when you can load up like that, you you you, you sprint to the podium. And by the way, JC Horn, that would be the kryptonite to the to the Cowboys trio right oh there. Oh my gosh, that'd be amazing. Hey, appreciate <laughs> you, AJ, that. man. He says, uh, this is great. He can't sleep. We're going to try to keep this going as long as we can. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I'm having a great time. This is great conversation. <laughs> this is a great conversation. But I want to talk wide receivers because that's my favorite position. And, it's, it's, I mean, wide receivers, man, they are game changers, and you can get some really good ones in this draft. So I want to go around the frames. I'm going to start with Phil. Give me a guy that you like and what round. So you can't just tell me I like this guy. You got to tell me the guy that you like and what round. Give me two guys. Come on, man. I could give you a guy I like in every round at every pick. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Let's go. Let's hear it. All right. So second round, let's uh, say De'Ami Brown, Rondell Moore. Okay. You get Rondell Moore and throw him in the slot and move Samuel back outside. That's three weapons with Terry. You're not going to be able to cover. Rondell Moore is a beast. Uh, yeah. Five, what, five nine, five ten, and he can squat six six hundred and some pounds. That's just insane to me. It's sure. like Brandon uh, Cooks with power. Yeah, there you <laughs> yeah, go. yeah. Brandon yeah. Cooks that will run your run your butt over. Um, yeah. At your third round pick, let's say um, you got uh, oh my, yeah, I mean Nico Collins, Nico Collins, Austin Watkins. Um, I know Sam, everybody's like Sammy Watkins, but and he's family with Sammy. But Austin Watkins from UAB is going to be a baller in the NFL. Um, you know, fourth round, you got all those. You got those guys as well. Fifth, you've got Daz Newsom um, from North Carolina. As you can tell, I'm a North Carolina fan. I know all. I know <laughs> these guys. Daz Newsom. If we draft Daz Newsom, they immediately cut Steven Sims. Because Staz Newsom immediately becomes your best returner on your team. Mm-hmm. He's a wet, he's, he's dynamic as a returner. Right. And he also – I think if they signed me, they immediately cut Steven Sims. <laughs> <laughs> hey, he had a nice toe drag against him. Yeah, he did. Yeah, but he's got stone hands. His efficiency of catching the ball is ridiculous. Um, and then around the seventh, sixth, or sixth and seventh rounds, got a guy from Charleston University in West Virginia. Oh. His name's Michael Strawn. He is like 6'5", runs like a 4'3", He is just insanely, insanely talented. I know we got Antonio Gandy-Golden, and, and he's smart. and He can run. He's proven as a route runner. But Michael Strawn is just like I've never seen anything like this kid. Um, that or a kid from Florida State, Tamorian Terry. Uh, the reason he's falling down is because – him and Mike Norvell, they didn't get along very well. And he ended up opting out or, you know, character issues. But if you can take a guy that's 6'4", runs a 4'3", 40 in mm. the seventh round, 
give me Tamori and Terry. Man, 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 man. Let's go to Kevin, man. Let's go to Kevin Hicks real quick, man. Give me your guys and give me what rounds. I mean, we talked a little right. bit today. so We did. There's going to be I'll a guy that. that you say, and when you do, I'm going to ask you a question about that guy, but go ahead. Okay, let's go for it. So you know who my two guys are. Um, yep. Assuming that we don't draft a receiver in the first three rounds, think uh, there's two guys that I have my eye on that I think that we could get in the fourth, and in some instances it looks like even fifth round, but that's it, fourth. Uh, one of those is going to be Tylen Wallace from Oklahoma State, and the other is uh, Jalen Darden. Uh, now pause 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 so first of all how tall is Tyler wallace uh he's what uh, he's not super tall yeah hey corey i like this receiver we're gonna talk about this receiver from charleston we're gonna talk about that receiver in a minute thanks hey but, appreciate it franchise <laughs> yes sir yes sir but uh okay Jalen Darden, right? He mm -hmm. is 5'9", the most shiftiest guy in the draft, in my opinion. The Crazy. guy is twitchy, shifty. You can't even catch this guy. The guy goes, he's a blur. He's a blur. Everyone gets on him about his speed, but if you can't put a finger on him, it doesn't really matter that he's not, you know, a 4'2 guy. Like, he's, he's his like athleticism a, is off the charts. Here's how I describe him. He's like a Tariq Cohen and Tyreek Hill put together, but a great value, a great value form. Uh, until you know, until he proves himself in the NFL, I'm not. I'm not going to say, oh, this is the next Tyreek Hill. He could be. He could be. I'm not doubting him because what well, Tyreek Hill went what fifth round. So, Kevin, with the size of our receivers, and you see a Jalen Darden. Tell me how he fits in with the football team. Well, you've got, you know, you've got uh, a guy who wins with his route running in McLaurin, right? Um, you've got a, a great Swiss Army knife kind of piece with uh, Samuel, right? Samuel always looks smaller than he really is. It's funny because when I look at Samuel, he looks like he's kind of a little guy. But as it turns out, he's, you know, close to six foot, whatever. Um, uh, it depends on what happens with AGG and Harmon because those are supposed to be your size guys. Um, the word that I'm getting on Darden is that he, the knock on him at least is that he's a, um, slot receiver that doesn't have great speed. And that's a bad combination. Um, to me, if you can play ball, you can play ball. And this dude looks like he can play ball. He's not slow. He runs away from him. He's got great hands. You, he makes people miss on every play almost mm -hmm. without exception It's crazy. Right. Um, right. And so you get a, the ball in the hands of a guy who can take a five yard slant, make two people miss and he's gone. That's a value on any team. Um, you know, so I, I, I just like talented players and then he's a special teams weapon. You know, you give him that ball in space or yep. a punt return or, yep. or special teams it's just a huge asset to your team. So if you can mm -hmm. do something like that in the fourth or fifth round, like I will be shouting it from the rooftops. Right. Um, I, I don't think that size matters. Yeah, he's an absolute playmaker. He's a playmaker. Hey, Longley, talk to me about the wide receivers you like and what round you'd like to get those guys. 
I'll just bring up a couple. For one, um, a guy, Amari Rogers out of Clemson. He's he's he could be more of like a our second, third round pick, or maybe the fourth. Um, yeah, I see that with Kadarius Tony. I don't I don't know he's if Kadarius Tony's going third, third round. <laughs> yeah, um, I don't want him in the first round. Center. He won't be there in the third. Yeah. Right. I don't think he'll be there um, in the second. Yeah. But as far as uh, Amari Rodgers go, I, with both these guys, I, I like them, don't love them. With Amari Rodgers, I think he has a lot of home run capability. Um, he's, he's a really fast guy. He can play out of the slot. He can really um, play the deep ball well. Um, and so in that regard, he, he's, he's a dynamic weapon. On the other side, he hasn't shown a lot of great ability in short yardage situations, so that's why he's not higher up boards. Um, so that would be kind of my concern with Amari Rodgers. And another guy that I'll throw out there is Ish Smith. Um, who I could see more as like a fourth or fifth round pick. Um, now the thing with Ish Smith, Shy. I'm actually for, I'm forgetting. Uh, yeah, yeah, from South Hi. Carolina. Nice Chai, Chai, my bad. Yeah. Um, yeah, Chai yeah. Smith. Um, you know, watching his tape, he's a uh, he's super physical. I mean, this dude takes so much contact mm-hmm. when he gets hit. Um, and he's very explosive um, between the numbers. So that's a guy that I would love to have around because you know he's got the hands, you know he's got the physicality, you know he's got the explosiveness, so he can he can move the chains and he can be a great red zone asset in that regard. The the knock on him is that his route running is not um, all that perfected, and sometimes those hits are a little unnecessary. If he was if he was um, being more disciplined in his route running, he wouldn't be taking such a big hit. He wouldn't have people draped all over him. But when I see the speed and when I see the catching ability, I think, okay, get him in the room with McLaurin, with Samuel, get him with uh, our coaches. You can teach the route running to be a little bit more perfected. Uh, knock on wood because we got Steven Sims Jr. on the roster. But um, <laughs> I would like to think that the, that uh, G could be a – he could uh, – uh, perfect his route running. Um, but I think that's somebody that you can throw to uh, down on the goal line and make some plays. So a couple more slot guys. Um, and, and one component to that I will bring up is that for me, when I was looking at guys that I liked, I really wanted to find tall receivers because AGG would be great. Um, but, uh, but you know, we don't, we don't know what he is. Um, right. Really, um, Terrence Marshall would be Terrence phenomenal, Marshall. But, uh, I mean, oh. he's he's a phenomenal player. Oh. Uh, I don't see him being there when <laughs> you know he'll Look, be a first round pick if he's there at 51. Um, I'm just saying, yeah, oh, that's done. That, that's done if he's there. Yeah, at if he's there at 51, you take him. I'm just um, saying, the guy really is wants the question, <laughs> yeah, yeah, he, he, he would be in an early second. Yeah, I don't I don't see him being a 51. But the thing that was encouraging, um, despite us not really having a lot of tall receivers, is if you look at some of the most explosive offenses in the NFL, they really lack a tall receiver. Kansas City is the most explosive. They don't have tall receivers. Um, you know, Baltimore has a great offense. Their their receivers need a little bit of work, but they're <laughs> none of them are none of them are particularly tall. And so you're seeing this trend as we're starting to see offenses. San Francisco is another one where they're letting the tight end be the the big hands, the ones that go up and get it, and they're letting the, all the receivers be around six foot and below and just going and making plays because speed is the hardest thing to cover. So I'm not overly concerned about us not having some T.O.-sized receiver that can go up and get it. Yeah, look how good Buffalo was last year. and I mean, you know, Gabriel Davis, that's hard as a receiver. He barely played. Yeah, Right. So, you know, who knows? 
who knows about this wide receiver from Charleston uh, that uh, Corey's talking about. I've, I've seen a little bit of bottom. Is I think it's a 6'4 guy. Yeah, that's but, the one yeah, I mentioned in the seventh six, round. Yeah. Yeah, and, and from what guy. I saw, when I looked at the numbers, I don't know if it's the same guy, but he had like 17 touchdown seasons and stuff like that. Yeah, as a D two school, and that's how you're supposed to dominate when you come when you're coming from a D two school. You're supposed to dominate. You're supposed to be having double digit, you know, touchdowns. Like if you guys go and look at Cooper Cup's college numbers, oh my gosh, it made me want to cry. I saw like twenty something touchdowns <laughs> and and like sixteen, eighteen hundred yards. You know that that's that's domination. You know, and those are some of the qualities. That I saw in the Antonio Gandy Golden. I know this year one, he did dominate in a smaller school. So when you dominate against your competition and your peers, you know, it puts you like, okay, you're the best of the least. Like, you know, you, you're playing in a smaller school, but you're the best of the least, you know, and that's, there's going to be some guys that go sixth, seventh round that, you know, but I, I'm done with those sixth and seventh round guys. I want, if I'm getting a receiver, Please let it be in the first three rounds, uh, max four. Um, but yeah, so let's go ahead and switch gears a little bit. Um, Big also said that we didn't mention um, a defensive player in terms of pass rusher. You know, we do need some depth at pass rusher, and it seems like we didn't do anything in free agency in the edge. You know, Ryan Kerrigan is still out there. He can still possibly finish his career in D.C. Talk to me about edge. I'm going to start with Phil on this one. What do we do? What's the plan? If we go edge, I, I'm personally – I'm a big fan of JSW. Uh, I think James Smith-Williams will step in and be that third guy to uh, help with the rotation. Uh, I like that he can play inside as well. But uh, James Smith-Williams, they said that he would run toe-to-toe at sprints with uh, Montez Sweat. So he's uh, – he can ball. Um, but if we go edge, I want to go later rounds, um, looking at a guy, we'll go to the Ohio, the Ohio state, uh, Jonathan Cooper. Uh, he's pretty explosive. No, you know, another one of those Ohio state pass rushers you usually can't go wrong with that school. When you get defensive ends, you know, Bosa brothers, Chase Young, Jonathan Cooper, um, a guy from a smaller school I like is Cameron sample out of Tulane. Um, got good hands explosive off the edge um that's that's the two guys i'd be targeting but i wouldn't i wouldn't go pass rusher unless one of the elite pass rushers right. fall to us in the second round i wouldn't go pass rusher before fit before the fifth yeah. the fifth i mean we're just so deep there i mean we're not deep there but we're solid there whoever that you're bringing in is just coming in to be that third guy you know that swing edge go you know right left or whatever so yeah it is an important position um Kevin, talk to me. Do you see us doing anything in the draft in terms of pass rusher? Seventh round? I personally don't. I mean, because, you know, we don't have a sixth rounder. We'd have the two third rounders. So we're, we're looking at seven picks still. Every single, and of course, they don't pay me to, you know, mock draft for them. But every single mock draft that I've done, you know, those seven picks have been largely. Uh, let's see, two linebackers generally, a safety, an offensive lineman, uh, a receiver, a tight end, a running back, you know, give or take. You know, and, and, you know, of course, there's scenarios in which you'll trade back and get some extra picks and do whatever, um, you know. But those seem to be the positions, in my opinion, that um, 
are more pressing. Uh, as Phil mentioned, you, you drafted JSW last year. You know, give him a chance to to actually play. Uh, it was hard enough to even get Kerrigan on the field. You know, a, a former Pro Bowler. Um, because you've got two studs starting, right? You know, mm -hmm. so when you've drafted a guy last year, developed him in the same uh, defensive line room, I think giving him an opportunity to to show what he can do in those limited sample sizes for those couple plays here and there that you don't have young or sweat on the field um, is probably going to be uh, plenty sufficient. Now, another guy that's still on the roster is Tuhill as well, Casey Tuhill. He's still on the roster as well. So he he played a lot of goal line on the ends. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I'm gonna, uh, let's go ahead and get into the prediction time as we wrap up the show. Uh, we're going to go around the frames. Uh, just give me your prediction of what happens day one, day two. Let's just stick to day one, day two. Day three is kind of like, whoo. So let's stick to day one, day two, and just give me your final take. I'm going to start with Phil. Uh, day one, I want to go Trayvon Morg. Uh, I think that would be the way to go. I think that solidifying the back end of the defense uh, takes us from top eight to top three. Uh, I mean, we'll be right there with the best in the league. We just solidify the back end. With our pass rush, Trayvon Morg becomes – we probably go back-to-back -back defensive rookie of the years. I, I wouldn't shot, shot me one bit. If that would be that would happen, um, day two, um, I like uh, either Dylan Redunds out of North Dakota State. Mm -hmm. I still think we should try to get an offensive tackle. I think Luke, Cornelius Lucas is best as a swing tackle, bouncing back and forth between left and right wherever mm -hmm. he wherever he needs hurt. Um, Redunds or uh, somebody like Deami Brown or Rondell Moore. Okay, love it, love it. Let's go longly. So I'm. I'd like to do something original, but I'm. I'm really on the board train, man. I, I really think he's an absolute monster, and 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 it also fills fills a need. If if not Morg, I would say JOK. And um, keep in mind, my number one option is if if a field slips, I want I want to jump up or or Lance. If if either of them slip, and we don't have to mortgage the whole future. Mm -hmm. um, I'm really not afraid of giving up a future first. I know that that sounds scary to people. It's the two future first that throws me. That that that's the flaw in San Fran's plan, in my opinion. But the the one future first uh, you can bounce back from, especially if the quarterback's anything remotely close to what you're hoping he'll be. You won't even be thinking about that pick. So so that's my number one hope. But if we stay pat, uh, Morg Morg is my guy. Um, so if you get a safety there, I still I would not shy away from a defensive player or from a linebacker in the second round. I know that you know you you got the safety, but you still have this big gap in between. You got the killer secondary at that point, a killer defensive line. But um, Nick Bolton, I think, would be an awesome move, and I think we could really anchor the middle of the defense um, to to close that gap between the two. Or if a Jabril Cox falls, he's a he's a lengthy dude um, who's pretty. Um, who's pretty quick as well and can really hit the gap. So, so I like that idea as well. Um, and yes, yeah, Javante Williams is, is a monster. So, so that, that'd be nice to have that as part of the equation. And then um, as far as, as far as the third round goes um, to know, it's hard to pick exactly who I would, 
who I would want, like specifically, because there's going to be so many variables by the yeah. time you get there about who's right. who's around. Um, so, in terms of the third, I, I definitely want to hit the, hit the offensive line at that point, um, or or a receiver if someone if someone has fallen at that point. Um, I'll throw out one name though, which might be too too rich for the third round. It might be more of a fourth fifth round pick, but I'm just I'm falling in love with this guy. Um, what about a uh, a Kenny Yaboa um, out of Ole Miss? I'm mm-hmm. absolutely loving this dude. He is a he went from being an okay blocker to a mauler. Um, he's got the length. Um, he he catches in traffic. He can he can really take a beating. He's got the same size as Brevin Jordan out of Miami, um, and so he's typically more of like a fourth round pick, but. That's the beauty of having two thirds. You don't have to wait to see if your guy gets taken between the third and the fourth. You can maybe use that later pick on on that. And I'd love to solidify tight ends so that we can go two tight end sets. Um, unless our Chilean friend ends up being the uh, <laughs> the, <laughs> the Chilean hope. Um, but <laughs> um, if not, I would. Uh, I'm, I'm all about. I'm all on the Yaboa train. Awesome! Awesome! And Hicks, man, talk to him. Man, you guys are you guys are on point. I like where your head's at. Um, I can almost certainly see it going either of those directions. And Kevin, you almost uh, took my, uh, my my theory verbatim. Um, I honestly think that this is going to be a scenario. I think Manny mentioned it earlier, where someone falls. You know, people are going to trade up. People are fall in love with someone. They're going to trade up. And we've benefited from that a couple of times in the past. When we got Allen, we were not expecting him to be on the board at that point, And we took him. Um, I think we weren't expecting Montez Sweat to be on the board uh, when we got the opportunity to trade up back into the first round and take him. So um, I think that it's going to be one of those situations where someone falls, um, someone that we weren't expecting to get. I floated a a J.C. Horn earlier that was wishful thinking, but somebody is going to fall that we didn't think was going to be there. And I have a feeling that we end up landing somebody that we really had no idea that we were going to be having the opportunity to get. Um, I can't put a name with that yet. I mean, a horn would just uh i'd go to sleep with a smile on my face (laughs) um you know uh i love the linebackers that we talked about uh earlier you know i I think we do great with with both of them um you know or either of them you know what i mean um but i have a feeling that even though we've been mocking people like uh derisaw and the linebackers Mm -hmm. and we've uh, I I just really have a gut feeling that somebody unexpected is going to fall, and we're going to get that guy, and it makes us redo the whole draft. Uh, makes us kind of rethink what we're doing in the second and third rounds. So um, wild card in the first. I'm not going to put a name with it, but someone that we're going to be downright giddy about. Mm-hmm. Okay. Then in the second like round, um, you know, I love you guys mentioned Nick Bolton. Love that in the second round. Absolutely love that. I think that if we don't get one of those linebackers in the first, Bolton in the second is an amazing complimentary or consolation prize, whichever way it goes, right? Um, Third round is where I want to get an offensive playmaker and an offensive lineman. Um, So that offensive playmaker uh, could be someone like – 
uh, a Brevin Jordan, maybe, if, um, but it could, it, who I really like personally. But again, our Chilean uh, uh, tight end uh, makes it so that he may or may not be uh, necessary, but he's a better blocker than Fryermuth, and, and so he's more likely to be a, a three down back. Um, but left up to me, I I go with the most explosive wide receiver available in the third. And then uh, I go with the offensive uh, lineman, like you mentioned. I'll float a different name. I like um, Brady Christensen of BYU. Um, I think that if you can get him in the, in the third round, that's – amazing amazing value and he's a day you know he's a, a day one starter candidate um so yeah i, I believe I, I read that he only allowed uh like three pressures all year which is crazy so nice yeah. you're muted can't hear you manny <laughs> all right so here is there my prediction go. uh for um the first four picks, my goal is to have four starters with those first four picks. Like, obviously, somebody falls to 19. Um, that would be great. I just saw Brandon say trade enough for a quarterback is a waste of pick. Look, we haven't had a franchise quarterback in forever, and if you have a chance to get a franchise quarterback, you got to go get it. You know, if it's a Trey Lance or a Justin Fields, I'm all in. I'm hoping it's Justin Fields because the guy is a leader. The guy is going to be special. Justin Fields has a chance to be the best quarterback in this draft. Yes, I said it here on the back row rescue show. Now, I would love to, I would love to get an impact player in 19. Doesn't really matter if it's a linebacker, safety, whatever, impact player. Then in the second round, I want to get the next best available guy, whoever else that falls to 51 if we don't move up. Now, when we get to the third round, there are three key positions, and we can only make two picks. It's wide receiver, it's running back, and it's tight end. A lot of people are probably asking and thinking, why does Manny keep talking about wide receiver and running backs? Have y'all seen this offense? Did y'all see the offense last year? <laughs> Was this offense any <laughs> You know, this look, we keep investing on the defense and investing on the defense. That's great. We're going to shut people down. But guess what? We got to score points to win, right? You play to win the game. You don't play just to play it, right? So if we don't add any players offensively, we're just playing to just play, okay? So we definitely need a running back. You know what I'm saying? Gibson needs some help. And uh, I was talking earlier about the player that wins the most with uh, having a, a Flowers and Sheriff and Rulier in the middle, that's Antonio Gibson. Well, that's whoever else that we add in the running back because I mean, we're going to be a power running team. If there's anything this team can do with this interior, it's some run blocking. You're going to see some holes created down the middle if Sheriff and Eric Flowers play together this year and they're healthy. So, um, I would love to come up with a tight end or a wide receiver or running back with the last with the two third round picks and with the first uh, two picks, just whoever, whoever is going to come in and make this team a winner, whether it's linebacker, whether it's safety, whether it's O tackle. We have a lot of needs, but within our needs, we need to take the best available. So well, that's man, my little, to support my that. 
to support your point about the going running back or wide receiver, remember this time last year, there were some people that thought Antonio Gibson was a wasted pick. They yep. thought, well, we have AP. We got guys. <laughs> <laughs> you know, That's why you take the best available. We got, got Bryce Love, right? Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, Bryce Manny, Love is taking us in the promise land. Pick, right? You want to hit three positions in the third round, right? You know no, how you no, do no, that? no, 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 no. I yeah. said, I said, there's three positions, and we can only oh trade back. Okay, I got you. You trade, trade back, back and get that third, third round. I feel you. Hey, if we can trade back at 51, if we can trade back at 19, I'm okay with that. I'm okay. Trade back Look. at 19, still Look. take more, pick up exactly. another thing. Exactly. exactly. That's the that's best way. scenario. That's the that's best scenario. We just trade back. How about we just do ourselves one favor and we just trade out of the second round and then we can give ourselves yeah, a better bad. chance of we're actually hitting the on these picks. <laughs> let's, just, let's just get rid of the second round pick. Trade it for this year's third, next year's third, and just let's not even not even touch it, man. There you go. Brendan just hit Brendan just did what I did. That, I you know, I was talking about my mock earlier. I hit Bolton in the second round, and it's then I hit Chaz, I hit Chaz Surratt in the third yes, round. Yeah, so yeah I, there's three linebacker positions. Back. I, want I don't back, feel good about it. We kind of need yeah. all of them. Yeah. Yeah, we, we have one. And we have one. Yeah, we have one. You know, so we need linebackers. Look, if we come out this draft with two linebackers, I'm fine. If we come out this draft with two tight ends, I'm fine. If we come out this draft with two wide receivers, I'm fine. I Look, we need weapons at all facets of the game. There's a potential that we get a wide receiver that's strictly for special teams that's going to come in and give this special teams some juice. We need a player to just come in and be special. There's nothing special about yeah, our special juicy. teams. We just have teams. We don't even have a special team. It's just yeah. teams, okay? <laughs> so we have lots of needs. Uh, this is a great show, great, great show. Uh, appreciate everybody who was in the chats, Big Old Soul, Brandon, uh, 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 Corey from Warpath. Uh, on the Warpath, great, great YouTube channel. You guys got to check that out. Um, William, uh, I got to find his name, William Rogers Jr. Uh, we have AJSTP003. <laughs> so we had all these great uh, guys come in and, and uh, chime in, man. Once again, guys, this is the Back Row Redskins show. This is how we do it. Uh, we have fun. We talk. You know, Washington football, the draft is going to be awesome tomorrow. I do invite you guys tomorrow to come back on for the stream. We're going to be starting at 7 p.m. Central, uh, 8 p.m. Uh, Eastern time. And we're going to have a blast, man. It's going to, it's going to be fun. Uh, <laughs> it's going to be amazing. And I'm also going to drop a link at, in, the, in the descriptions of this video. It's where you can play a game. You got to make six picks. If you make six perfect picks, you get $250 towards merchandise, and it's free to play. So it's like a parlay for those who bet, but it's free. You know, you just hop in, you make your six picks, you answer the six questions. If you get the six questions right, you get a chance to earn uh, $250 towards uh, uh, merchandise. So, and that's something cool. I'll, I will drop that into uh, the uh, comments, I mean, into the description of this video. Uh, Phil, where can the people find you on social media? You know, we got the fastest growing Redskins page on or Washington football team fan page on Facebook at the Redskins Hub. Everybody join it. Hicks, Longley, come on, hit us up. Uh, we also have a Twitter page uh, at Redskins Hub One. Um, we we drop all kinds of content. Uh, 
We support Manny's podcast on our uh, web page uh, or our Facebook page. So that's where you can find us. Absolutely, man. Rescue's Hub is great. They've made me like family. They just let me post. And uh, man, we have a good time in the Rescue's Hub Facebook page. So come in there. We can uh, communicate. We can, hey, we got some heated topics at times. Uh, it's, it's, good time. it's, 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 hey, it's, it's a good time on the Rescue's Hub Facebook page. Uh, Kevin, where can the people find you on social media? They can find me at Kevin Intellectual uh, on Twitter. Uh, and that's uh, K-E-V-I-N-T-E-L-L-E-K-T-U-A-L. They can find me Kevin Intellectual on Twitter. I'll drop my thoughts here and there. Uh, love chopping it up with you guys. Every time we get on here, uh, Manny, all your guests are, are amazing. Phil, Kevin, really great uh, chatting with you guys today. You guys are so knowledgeable and and uh, so great to talk to. Look forward to uh, getting together with you guys tomorrow during the the live draft reaction show. Absolutely, Kevin. Man, uh, where can the people find you? So I'm uh, I'm at K Longley twenty one. No relation to Luke Longley, um, <laughs> but uh, but I uh, absolutely loved being a part of this. Man, it's just great having these conversations. And I mean, this is my favorite time of year, man. <laughs> I'm looking absolutely. forward to it. And and look, Christmas. I will. Um, at the behest of my of my day job, I'm I'm diving into these conversations on Twitter all day. So whenever you want to talk, I'm all about it, man. And I can't wait for tomorrow. Absolutely. And the way that this show came about, it was just real random. Uh, Kevin hopped in. Both Kevins just really hopped in last minute. You know, these are regulars on the show. So they, you know, they know their stuff. It's just like, I'm not just picking up people from the streets and say, hey, you know, come on the show. These guys know their stuff. And uh, we just kind of just came together and decided to uh, do this. Uh, man, awesome show. The show's supposed to go for one hour. We've gone for an hour, 36 minutes. Hey, it's the day before the draft, man. It's the day before the draft. Yeah, it's before the draft. Fire up our uh, draft day movie tomorrow to to start warming up. You know, I like to watch draft day every year to get in the mood. Yeah, so right. there you so go. this is the show. I think this is going to be the most watched show that I've ever done. I mean, this is this was real, real good. So, guys, man, be sure to subscribe to the Talking Sports with Manny YouTube channel. Turn on the notification bell so that way you get content when I drop it. Um, I'm also dropping a uh, fantasy running back landscape pre-draft that I recorded this afternoon. I'll be dropping that in the morning as well. So you get the two for one. You get the risk back row risking show, and you get the fantasy show as well. All right, guys, man, we out. Peace. Peace.